A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Today, I am joined by a lady from Leon C in Essex, a lady by the name of Rosemary Cunningham. Rosemary, very warm welcome to you. Thank you, Paul. Happy to meet you and an honour to be here. Listeners, what we thought about today, how's this for a title? How's this for a sizzling title under this relationship-based episode? And the title is this. Why am I still single? And I think I'm on safe ground. I hope I'm on safe ground, Rose Green, sharing that, you know, uh, as people, you and I are both under that uh, under that banner of being single. So, you know, we can exchange views on why that is. Is that by choice? Is that by circumstances? Because certainly from the conversations that I've had with many people on the relationship focus, there's a lot of confusion as to why people find themselves still still single, tongue-tied there, or actually maybe in the wrong relationship. So any thoughts around that opening introduction, Rosemary? Yeah, I think it's perfect, Paul, because um, I've been single over 10 years now and uh, wasn't something I ever anticipated. I thought I would be married with children, but it didn't happen. And, um, yeah, I think last time I had a relationship, 2009, really. And it's, it's not, and I'm seeing more and more and more of my friends who always were in relationships to be quite happily single and making very different choices to the ones we ever thought we would be making, but happily so. And, uh, yeah. Just open to all possibilities, I think. I actually just started going on a dating app for the first time in several years. Mm. And it, and it's felt exciting sometimes and hugely overwhelming at others. <laughs> um, and, and very different to the experience I had when I was in my 30s and 40s. Totally different. Totally different. Much more discerning, much more slow-paced, much more thoughtful. Yeah. And... Um, by and attracting people, for the most part, who I can have the most phenomenally deep conversations with, which wouldn't have happened before, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one that Rosemary, isn't it, around the dating site? Because you know, obviously, in today's society, everything—not everything, but a lot of things—are geared towards you know, fast-paced technology, you know, we can reach out, Zoom. I mean, look at the, you know, the last two years of the so-called lockdown or the first, certainly the first 12 months of that, where we've been able to connect around the world with Zoom, Skype and the like. I mean, you know, technology is massively coming to the fore over the last couple of years and, you know, dating apps, as you've alluded to. But, I mean, that, you know, that puts us in front of people, doesn't it? But you can call me old-fashioned, Rosemary, for me, there is no 
ever going to be a substitute of sort of two people sitting down over a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, slice of cake, as I call it, and just having a good old fashioned natter face to face, reading the body language and just being present in each other's company. I mean, have you got any thoughts around that? Yes, you can't beat it, can you? However, it's how do you get there? Mm. <laughs> um, we all, I think we live lives a lot more where I work from home, you work from home, I've worked from home now since 1993, predominantly. Mm. Um, and when I was working somewhere else, I was only seeing clients on a one-to-one -one basis. I wasn't mixing with other therapists. And if I did, they were normally women. And, um, yeah. And get to that stage, but I, I, I don't know. I've, I've seen some people. I've had the most phenomenal business one to ones with people over Zoom and made some really good connection. So yeah, uh, we now do not need to be in the same room as someone. I think to look into their eyes and really connect with them deeply. Mm. And the virtual coffee was a, a concept about three or four years ago, and now it's a reality, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think on a personal level, Rosemary, I'd agree with that to a large degree. Personally, I wouldn't agree with it totally because, you know, to reassert and risk of repeating listeners. And it's only my humble opinion. And I don't know what science or stats there is to back it up one way or the other. Um, but I really do firmly believe whether it's business or even in a more romantic personal context, there is never, ever a substitute for being in, you know, alongside somebody and having that, you know, being able to smell them, you know, just just the small nuances that do get lost on, um, you know, by Zoom call. And Zoom's been phenomenal. I mean, you know, I, it'd be interesting to see the research on how many lives it's actually saved over the last couple of years or so. It really would, because mm -hmm. I think it would be a phenomenally big number. I'm sure it would be. Um, but, you know, as I say, notwithstanding that, Rosemary, the, the whole essence of, you know, just being that up close and personal, for want of a better cliche, uh, we shouldn't use cliche, should we, apparently? We shouldn't use the word should, apparently. But anyway, so there's the host breaking all the rules straight away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, this, this, uh, do you know, I suppose there is no right and there is no wrong in any of this, is there, you know, about, you know, why are we still single? And I think there's, that also brings in, you know, and I've certainly picked this energy up from people I've spoken to. There's almost that kind that, I hope this doesn't come across as judgmental listeners, but that desperation to be with somebody, you know, that societal um, expectation. Well, you know, a man or a woman of a certain age shouldn't be on their own. Well, who says they shouldn't? Yeah, and from a particularly from a woman's perspective I'm, I'm a money coach for women so I've researched this stuff <laughs> a woman couldn't have her own bank account in the 1960s in this country mm. and it was only in the 1970s that we could actually borrow money or get contraception um, without our husband's father's uncle's signature or brothers indeed and uh, I have one client who is still angry because and she's well in her 70s because she couldn't get contraception without taking her husband with her and she couldn't borrow money to buy a cooker when she wanted one when she was married in her late 20s and she's honestly she's still angry about it now she's um yeah she can get really quite well I couldn't do this 
And it's just so recent that women have actually been having have our own autonomy, our own money, our own property, where we haven't got married and our husband has automatically taken over all our wealth. It's so recent. Mm. And um, even though the young women now aren't born into that, I had a wonderful conversation with a young woman who's a financial journalist a couple of weeks ago. She contacted me because she'd been asked to do a, an article about money coaching. And she wanted my opinion. And we got very deep. We were on, she was really interested. We got on the phone for nearly two hours. And, and she said, even at the age of 32, when she gets together with her girlfriends, who are all successful, working in corporate, mainly in London, she said they just diminish themselves. And um, so we've, we've got a lot of, uh, we've still have, We've still got, I don't want to say work to do, but maybe we have. We've, we've got changes to make and intentions to set about really honouring ourselves and feeling good about ourselves and allowing ourselves to be, to dream and, and have a vision of something much more than we have at the moment. Yeah. And to allow ourselves the autonomy and the freedom to create that in our minds and 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 first and then in our reality and to be open to all possibilities for ourselves and I think a lot of people now are possibly open to all possibilities for their children but it doesn't necessarily come back for them and for me the, the being single was I spent probably 10 years internet dating in my 30s and 40s because I wanted to have a family and I wanted to partner with that. I didn't want to be a single mum. Quite a few of my friends were consciously becoming single parents because they wanted a child more than they wanted a partnership. For me, it was the opposite. I wanted a partnership and I wanted family with it. I spent a lot of time internet dating and, and I think that was came from a space of scarcity. It came from a space of fear. It came from a place of I'm not good enough and compromise and it, it was very very dissatisfying and there came a point where my sister died and my menopause started possibly partly from the shock and I just realized that was never going to happen and from that point onwards I've hardly looked it was and I've and instead I think my my higher self has taken me on quite a profound spiritual path instead and now, I can remember sitting down with a friend who always, always had a boyfriend. She's about three or four years older than me. She's also a therapist. And when we were on a course together and, and she, we, were, we were doing an exercise and we had to choose a, a card, that one that resembled our past and one that resembled our future or something like that. And she got one that resembled the family and the partnership. And she got the kids, but she was single at this point. And there was the other one that with her spiritual self. And she said... I always thought I, did, I wanted this, which was the man. She said, but now I'm coming to the conclusion that this, her spiritual path and her dharma was more important. Mm. And I, I'm sure that's where it's taken me. And I think the fact that I haven't had children and I would have had them at a later stage in life and I wouldn't have been able to. I, I would have really struggled to prioritise a career and children. That's not in my being. Um, because I haven't had the family, I've been able to give so much. And I've got a community called Winning Women, which is now 2,000 strong. And my, my money archetype, my primary one is a nurturer. So my, I naturally look after people. I'm an ex-nurse. I, 
I naturally like to help people feel safe to be who they are and to do what they want to do and find that independence and growth and autonomy and sovereignty. And for women, that often means having their own money and uh, having their own thing over here that no one can touch. And so I think that's been my path instead was to help create this safe space alongside treating hundreds of people as a therapist using Bowen reflexology massage, which was also very, very important, very satisfying. Mm, and that's what took me away from it. It wasn't necessarily a conscious decision. In fact, it wasn't a conscious decision. I would still have loved a partner there, but one thing became far more important than the other. And, and also, I think that was partly pain avoidance as well. I think I found dating and the the whole rejection side of it and the disappointment and uh, as a highly sensitive person, an empath, an introvert and a highly sensitive person, I found it really quite painful. And, um, yeah, I think I projected a lot of feelings of mine onto my partners and consequently stayed in relationships far too long. Mm. And now I just wouldn't even dream of that. I won't even get there. I'm not in that space of neediness and fear. Mm. For me now, I'm pretty much complete. And any relationship is going to compliment me as I am. And I'm looking for that. I have, as I said, I have joined a dating app again, but it's not my be all and end all. I don't spend all day on there. Sometimes I don't go on there for a week. Yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely fascinating and insightful. And I want to thank you, Rosemary, for sharing that. What uh, certainly came across to me as being quite open and vulnerable. So, you know, that, and you mentioned the sensitivity um i really honor that so thank you for you know for being in that space because listeners i think that's so inspirational i really do and i, and I speak as one that's come from that backyard that wore a mask for years you know mine was a very alpha to use that term alpha male masculine mask manifestation in fights and drunken brawls and violence and all that kind of thing but it was really a, a big smoke screen a mask for saying please don't come near me and hurt me anymore because I'm so fragile and I'm not kind of comparing that to what you just said, Rosemary, but I am honoring that vulnerability because I recognize that, um, you know, interesting. You also use the word empath, um, you know, to use a well-known cliche, one would say it takes one to know one. So um, yeah. Mm -hmm. gratitude yeah for that. And there's, there's a lot of empaths around, aren't there as well? The numbers increasing. It's, mm -hmm. I think I was told it was more like 20%. Now, apparently all these kids that are being born with the two in their birth chart also have empathetic qualities. So the children that have been born this century are all much more of that ilk. And look at today, we're, we're recording this on the 22nd of the 2nd, 2022. Can't get more twos than that, can you? No, <laughs> very significant date in... Uh in the uh, in the development of the universe yeah. very significant day in more ways than one but that maybe rosemary that's a separate whole new separate podcast relationship conversation yeah. uh, in its own right i'm sure it is you know our relationship with source but i want to bring it back if i can to something that in my humble opinion yet again you was absolutely on the money with and that relationship and the importance of that relationship with self because you know, to varying degrees, and, and I'll take ownership and, you know, express my vulnerability here, listeners, you know, oftentimes for many, many years, I've been in relationships that I needed, I needed somebody to fix me, to make me feel good, to make me feel validated, to make me feel worthy. 
And it's absolutely the wrong way of doing things. Because I think in general terms, whenever you put your faith in an external source, it can be taken away from you. And then that, by definition, leaves you floundering. And so, you know, yet again, Rosemary, I relate to that, that inner work of I'm, a, I'm more than OK now. And isn't the irony of that, that when you're more than OK and you're in your own space and you're in your own skin and you have got that self-love, that self-forgiveness, you know, and, and does that mean we're perfect? Far from it. You know, I still have those moments of frustration and, you know, it's called being a human being, I think. And that's OK. But learning to sort of say, do you know what, Paul? You got that one wrong, but that's OK. Take the learning from it. But being in OK in our own skin, I think, then gives us massive freedom, Rosemary. I ask it as a question, not offer it as a statement. But surely that gives us massive freedom to say, and that energy that we convey to a potential partner says, do you know what? I like this person because they're in, they're in their own space. In, in a quiet way, whether they're introverted, like you said, or, you know, sensitive, however that's, you know, that comes across that energy. But there's that kind of understanding that, do you know what, this person's at peace with themselves. That's, mm -hmm. I, I find that very, very, very powerful. Any thoughts around any of that? Yes, and as you said it, Paul, I was thinking back, you know, you saying you needed someone and I, back in the, those relationships, I can remember always wanting to make a difference for that person, even if I absolutely knew they wouldn't be my future life partner. I've just got to share something for, with you, actually. This is so funny. I, um, I, I, I did my money coaching in the States in Arizona, and I was back there just before lockdown, first lockdown, teaching this amazing group of women. I did a money course with eight women, and they were, they were all American. They were all quite mature. Three of them have been married four times. And one lady, we were looking at her archetype and he was very much the nurturer like me. And she said, she said, you know what? Once I bought a boyfriend, the helicopter, I spent $32,000 on a helicopter for him. And we just went, really? And she said, yes, but the point is, I didn't even want to marry him. Mm. And um, it was, I said, do you mind if I use that? And she said, no, no, please do. But do say, I didn't even want to marry him. And, and that's one of the types, kind of personality types, where we're just, oh, it's, it's massive kind of people-pleasing, isn't it? And caretaking. And I, I've really got that, that energy of caretaking. We just don't need it anymore. And lockdown, for me, with this big group of women, really brought out my caretaking. I wanted to make everything right for them. I wanted to look after them. And I did it probably at the expense of my own my own coaching business I was trying to you know keep this community and it, and it worked it really really worked but it did nothing for me and did nothing for my finances and um there's often that I think in particularly in the empath sensitive people as well and want, wanting you know I look back on a couple of relationships and, and just trying to make things right for someone else I think women do that a lot and mm. And the other thing, Paul, is I've, I've written down here the child, um, mm. that that little one of you, and all our all our beliefs are formed by the time we're eight, aren't they? They're all set. Yeah, yeah. And um, I can remember looking at my mum and dad and really getting a sense that things really weren't quite right. They stayed together for 51 years, God bless them. 
but I remember thinking as an adult if they'd have got married you know in the, probably in the 80s instead of the 50s or the 70s they probably wouldn't have stayed together five years mm. and um and so your your little child's looking at the relationship around you observing them and your mum and daddy your first gods and you just want to kind of please them and keep them happy and see them happy so often we're holding the balance and trying to make things right so daddy doesn't get angry and mummy doesn't get angry and whatever it is for us and um and that forms our beliefs around self-worth and, and self-worth is directly associated with network uh you know if you don't feel good enough about yourself you're not going to feel good about money either and if it comes into your life you might hate it and you might just let it go again and give it all away or really struggle to get it in in the first place so if we don't feel good about ourselves, it's really challenging managing our weight or our finances or or our relationship. They're, they're all they're all um, reflections of the same thing. They're all connected, and they all go back to us before the age of eight. And what we learned, what we took on as our truths, and and that's another very much the essence of twenty twenty two is us choosing not to take that with us. So I'm actually doing a I'm doing an activation visualization in, in my group today around the energy of 2022. And one of the things I'm going to ask them is as we move forward in this phenomenally powerful time, what is it you don't want to take with you? And then visualizing, casting it off, taking that coat off, leaving that rucksack, that rucksack of crap <laughs> behind before we go into this beautiful portal that we can move into and take advantage of it's really powerful manifestation time and um you know what is it that you're aware of that you know you just don't need to take with you and consciously saying that that's not mine anymore thank you very much you've taught me i love you i forgive you and i'm leaving you behind and then literally stepping forward powerfully right i'm stepping forward now literally putting that right or left foot forward Yes, I'm moving forward, creating something. I'm sovereign. I'm the creator. I'm the God of me. I claim I'm now creating the life I want for myself and the people I, you know, the people I love if they want to come along with it, isn't it? Because we can't make anyone else do that. Absolutely. I couldn't. Listeners, honestly, what Rosemary's just said there, um, I'm, I'm just smiling. I'm just smiling so much because I literally could not have chose the words better myself. When I put that into practice relatively recently you know severing the ethereal cord where you know down on the beach in spain with a former partner all done very lovingly very respectfully very sensitively and we each picked three pieces of sand up so we sat on the beach um you know and and i and i share this because i don't normally share sensitive stuff around third parties but you know, I know this one's in safe hands because we've spoke about it and it was of the utmost love and gratitude and letting go. And so what we did, we severed that, you know, that ethereal cord about the time we've spent together, you know, a decade, a decade. And what we each did was we picked up a lump of sand and threw it into the sea. So there was one kind of more positive, warm, embracing. So, and I'm going to share with you in my vulnerability, being inspired by Rosemary now, listeners, what I did and my exact words were with my first clump of sand into the sea, I let go with gratitude and the utmost love of our amazing relationship. Thank you. And I Beautiful. released that into the sea. 
With the left hand, I then picked up another clump of sand and offered something. I now let go of all the confusion and the anger that prevailed within our relationship. Thank you. And then she did similar and we both did three rounds each. And through all, you know, there's no prompting, there's no judgment, there's no correcting, there's no nothing. The individual takes their own words, what it means in their heart, what that experience meant to them, and they release it. And, and that's what we did, Rosemary, very relatively recently. And so I really, as I say, at the risk of repeating, resonate with what you've said there, that um, because that, you know, to use an old fashioned term, that really does clear the decks, doesn't it? Yes, most definitely, most definitely. And sometimes if you can't do that with the person, something I get client to, in fact, a lady who came to work with me last week, she, she knew some stuff around her mother was holding her back. And I've got a rather beautiful template that people can just go through and fill in the gaps. And and the last bit of it is this, debt, this emotional debt between us is now settled Um I now take control of my life. I love myself and 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 then you screw it up and burn it. And uh, she did it with her mother and sobbed afterwards. And, and I did it myself after my sister passed. I remember I was really ill after my sister died. And obviously that was a turning point. It's when I, my last relationship finished about four months after she died as well. And um I was really bad, huge, huge eczema outbreak. I think there were lots and lots of things going on. And uh, a kinesiologist said that I needed to write myself and my sister a forgiveness letter. And uh, I thought, okay. But I knew who I felt I really needed to write one to was her husband. And um, about three months later, I'd actually been out on probably my last ever blind date at that time with a guy who at school with my sister we'd been out and had a walk in the woods and had a conversation he talked about he didn't know my sister well but he got the essence of her he was very sensitive he got the essence of her and I got home and I knew it was time to write these letters and and I just sat down at the computer and I wrote to my sister's husband and I wrote her and it was tearful and then I took them outside and I burnt them and that Sunday afternoon and on the Wednesday I actually got a letter from my brother-in-law and it was as if he'd received the nice bits of what I'd written. And um, the one essence, one sentence I remember in it was, I've realised that I had your sister for five years and you had, had her for 45 years, so you probably miss her more than I do, which was never going to be true, but it was just the biggest ever acknowledgement of, it was exactly what I wanted to hear, someone heard me. And, um, and that was the magic of actually writing something down as well, because if that and, and sometimes also if you've written it down and you've got all the anger out and I just wrote that freehand, I put everything, you did this and you did that and this happened and I'm so angry with this and whatever it was. And then you've got it out of yourself. And then if you need to properly write a letter or having a conversation with someone to clear the air, you know, make amends, do whatever you need to do, then you can do that because you've got the anger out. You've literally put it up in the ether and it's gone. And I've seen miracles happen with that. That was my miracle. <laughs> I think that was my le lesson from the universe as a, someone who does this with money coaching, particularly clients all the time, and therapy clients sometimes as well. Yeah. The 
when we talk around this this topic that we're dancing around, Rosemary, you know, um, why am I still single? You know, we've identified through the the uh, the intimate shares there, and no apologies for repeating yet again, listeners. Massive respect to to Rosemary for doing that. It's not easy because isn't it true as humans, as a general, we wear masks. We don't, we don't want to be vulnerable because we'll be judged and people will think we're weak. And, you know, well, from my experience uh, in life, you know, there's nothing new on this planet. You know, sex, drugs and rock and roll has been here from day one. You know, we all experience it to varying degrees. We paint it a different colour. We give it a different mask. But the reality is it's there in various forms for all of us. And I think one of the freeing things that I've experienced is, is I just go out there and be vulnerable. And, I, you know, what the out, well, you don't share that in public. Do yeah, I do. Because the reality is what I've shared to varying degrees, the vast majority of people can relate to it, but they choose not to speak about it. And that's a personal choice and obviously respective. But I just want to kind of bring this back as well, Rosemary. So with what we've spoke about here with this, you know, to quote Brenny Brown, our vulnerability is our strength. Um, but there's still that sort of attraction, that chemistry, you know, that exists between two people, that what the French might call the je ne sais quoi. You know, what is it? I don't know. I don't know what it is. But there's that something that has attracted me to this person. And I had that in a former relationship. So I had a belief system growing up that I do not like blondes and I do not like redheads. Okay, well, where did that come from? I don't know, mm -hmm. but it's there. Mm, okay. How come you ended up in a beautiful relationship with 10 years with a redhead then? Hmm. Don't know. Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but, you know, these things. And that brings in for me a word that you mentioned earlier on, Rosemary, our dharma. So I ask you this question. Is there a certain chemistry, a glue, a calling of two people together, which might manifest in a romantic tie, that is glued together by that dharma? Any thoughts around that deeper purpose? I think there certainly can be, yes. I'm, I'm sure it's waiting for me. I'm I've known for a long time. It has been waiting for me. It just wasn't the time of my life when I needed it or particularly, I don't think my higher self actually wanted it. Um, I think, and, and time's moving so fast, isn't it, as well? I think we can have that several times in a lifetime. It can be that you have that with one partner and then you're, we have choices and our higher self gives us a little nudge to go off on a different path and then that can happen again and then it can happen again. So I think the old idea of us just having one life partner, it's true for some people, but it certainly isn't true for everyone. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes someone meets their partner and they die, don't they, fairly soon, quite often. And Yeah. And... Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think also sometimes there's a lot of pain associated with that as well. I think we've associated as a child uh, pain with, we've, we've made that childhood association with um, it, love can bring you pain. Yeah. And, and that's a really powerful one. 
Mm. We can kind of want it, but we don't want it. Or we, we can sabotage things. Can't we? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and what's interesting, what you spoke around there, Rosemary, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I absolutely love music. Music is a massive, massive part of my life. Uh, and particularly soulful sort of ballad songs. And I had the same for many, many years. I don't know where it come from. I don't know where those beliefs around blondes and redheads came from, for example. Um, I really don't. You, you know, we, we're going back to that formative year scenario that, you know, not that I'm saying as an eight-year-old, I've been focused on having a girlfriend. Maybe I was. I don't know. I can't consciously remember it. But um, anyway, that's another story altogether. It could, even, it could even be someone like a teacher. Yeah. You just... Oh, no, she's dangerous. You see it with dogs, don't you? You get dogs who don't like white dogs, who don't like black dogs. Yeah. Uh, and, and children not like men with beards. I used to be really scared of men with beards when I was little, and mm. quite a few of my uncles had beards and they also had big voices, and they scared me. So it, it can be or something you heard, maybe as a little child you heard, never trust a, never trust a redhead there. All sorts of things have been said about women in many different guises, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Even you think of the um, you think of the storybooks children read or used to read anyway, particularly the Hans Christian mm. Andersen and the they were horrible. Mm. Yeah, they were really unpleasant um, thoughts in them, things that were read to children when they were very, very small and impressionable. Yeah. So particularly when you've got that empath mentality, it can be. Yeah. I want to, I mean, it's been fascinating, Rosemary, and I know we could just talk and talk and talk and talk. And, you know, we're, you know, maybe there is a follow on to be had to this because, you know, um, I think it's fair to say that look, without any judgment at all, the world is full of lonely people, even people in relationships that might have been married for, you know, or been together for whatever. You know, there is a lot of lonely people in this world, undoubtedly. And, uh, you know, we, we could talk at length and we could go off at so many tangents around this. And I'm certainly keen to explore it for the benefit of, of our listeners that, you know, maybe there's one little pearl in there uh, or, or whatever it may be. So um, I want to kind of finish off with asking you a big question, Rosemary, but park that thought for a moment I just want to invite you in, if I may, to share your contact details, you know, for our show notes where people can read about you in your bio there, um, how they can reach out to you, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, kind of you. Yes, um, my website is rosemarycunningham.co.uk. That's my business site. Um, my women's group is called Winning Women, and that site is winningwomen.online um, I'm quite prolific on LinkedIn my business is B2B I'm a business coach for heart-centered business women and money coach but I'm, I also have a still have a small therapy practice so I do treat people one-to-one -one as well and I find when I'm not doing hands-on healing my health suffers which is really interesting yeah, so my website will be the, the place to go and if anyone wants to email me it's info rosemarycunningham.co.uk and I'd love to hear from you. Super, thank you Rosemary. So my big question as we just start to draw towards a close, so I want you to imagine you're on a first date with someone 
-hmm. And I'll share mine in a moment. What is the big question? I mean, I hope this is not sounding listeners like we're talk, talking about some strategic corporate event here. Hang on, Paul, you're going into a date. Who knows what might happen? And, you know, just be free flowing, which is actually actually where I, how I do live my life. You know, in the moment, full of embracing uncertainty. What next? Who knows? That kind of thing. However, I do have a focal point of something that I would want to establish on a necessarily a first date, but certainly very, very, very early on in any dialogue. What would that, what might that big sort of, I don't know, questions the right word, Rose, but that one thing that you would want to establish about that, you know, that potential suitor for the future? Is there a big question you would want to know about that person? Yes, it's about spiritual awareness now. Hmm. It's about, and one realising that there's a bigger picture and that even though we're, we're here, we have, a high, we have a bigger self, a higher self, and we, we, have a, we have a purpose if we choose to adopt it and make a difference in this world, mm. to be aware of other people, but definitely a, a spiritual purpose, you know, someone who's not judgmental of, or, or who's open-minded about spiritual things because my life has taken me on such a spiritual trajectory that anyone who was going to judge me or be completely mystified or put out if I had to go off and do my retreats and my being by myself, having lived by myself now for 20 years, I need a lot of free time and uh, I need space just to go and do exactly what I need to do align with my higher purpose and my gods and my team and all that good stuff and create ceremony in my daily life. And that's what I would want total acceptance of. Okay. Mine would be this, and this is probably on the surface of it. So firstly, thank you for sharing that yet again, Rosemary. Um, mm. Mine would be this, and on the surface of it, listeners, is probably the most unromantic question you could think of however so just bear with me on this if you will my you know and I wouldn't be as direct as to say okay um if I can if I can use your name Rosemary just for the point of this exercise so Rosemary tell me what are you what's your vision and what's your values I mean listeners come on that's a mechanical question or is it because the rationale of that is, and obviously you can approach it in a more sensitive, respectful, delicate way, but really when you think about it, by asking somebody what their vision is, in other words, where are they going in the future? Where do they intend to go? Where do they aspire to go? Then you're going to learn very quickly that you've either got something in common for the future or you've not. And, you know, there's no judgment on that. And then the stepping stones that are going to take you there, your values, well, I'm not saying that they have to be absolutely aligned one for one, but surely there's got to be some kind of synergy there between vision and values. Any thoughts as we close out, Rosemary, on that uh, unromantic question? It could be a romantic question, couldn't it? And, and I agree. I think it's totally important because... Um, you know, if someone just wants to stay living 
in the way they are and retire and clean their car on a Sunday, they're not for you, are they? So, yeah. or me. <laughs> yeah. Very, very important, isn't it? I'm, I think those kind of things come out anyway, don't they? You know, for me, they come out normally before I've even met someone these days. Yeah, yeah, okay. Brilliant. I've said it a few times already, Rosemary, no apologies for repeating yet again, listeners, immense gratitude for, for Rosemary's insights, for her shares, most of all, uh, her vulnerability. It's been massive. It's been absolutely massive. Rosemary, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Paul. It was a real pleasure talking to you. And uh, yes, it's good to... Um, it's good to look at why we're still single, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, we make choices and I've chosen to be this way on some level. And yeah. uh, I can love and respect myself for that. And then I can choose to make a different choice today if I want to. <laughs> and to quote Bob Dylan, as I often do on these podcasts, you know, maybe, Rosemary, maybe the winds are changing or blowing. So I don't know. Single today, married tomorrow. Who knows? Watch this space. Watch this space. Open, that, to all open to all possibilities, Paul. <laughs> absolutely. And as you said, the 22nd of the 2nd, 22, which is apparently, listeners, from a podcast point of view, we're supposed to make these episodes and these recordings, you know, timeless. We're not supposed to give dates away. Rosemary, we've just broken the podcast, one of the big podcasters' rules there. Shame yes. on us. Shame on us. <laughs> I love breaking people. rules, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> rules are made to be broken, <laughs> um, especially, and, especially in Canada. <laughs> absolutely. And on that kind of relationship theme, uh, I would like to, I mean, I was going to save this, Rosemary, kind of off air, um, but I would like to invite you back to speak around relationship and more importantly, money. You know, that beautiful energy called money. I'd like to invite mm -hmm. you back on a on a separate thread, you know, the uh, the wealth, Wednesday Wealth thread. Um, and maybe we can have a different kind of relationship focused chat around that, um, around the money thing. So uh, just a thought. I'd love to. It's, it's something that is so ignored and so needs airing. Um, when you when you air the subject of money sensitively, non-judgmentally, in a safe place, which is what I do for the women I work with, miracles happen very, very quickly. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So I'd love to do that. Thank you. That would be a privilege. And all that remains now, listeners, is to sign off from this uh, curious conversation between Rosemary and me. Hope you found it curious. I certainly have um, in, a, in a beautiful way. But to sign off by saying, as I always do, remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world is changing. How will you respond? <laughs>